Hello, and welcome to the Mental Perk Podcast, where we focus on real people, real issues, and real talk. I'm Carla Hutcherson, a licensed professional counselor. And I'm Brandy Mock, entrepreneur, author, and community leader. We are here to talk about all things mental health, whether it's daily stress, academic and work pressures, managing a diagnosis, or suicidal and self-harm behaviors. We want this to be a space of non-judgment, honest talk, and destigmatizing mental health issues. Most of all, we want to provide you the support and encouragement you need to win your everyday battles. We are so excited to have Danielle Moy come and visit us today on The Mental Park, and she's going to tell her own unique story. Um, Danielle is a LPCA, and what this means, for those of us who don't know, I do because I'm actually an LPC supervisor, so I do, but what it means is Danielle has finished her master's degree, she's taken her boards, she's passed her test, and now she is currently doing her required 3,000 hours under a LPC supervisor. So then once she finishes those, she'll be fully licensed and she'll be ready to go. But she's going to, she's currently interviewing at some different places right now to begin her life as an LPC. So, and what I want to also say, she's soon to be Danielle Sharp. So we're so excited. (laughs) She's getting married here in a couple of months or about five months or something. Yeah, in January. Yeah, that is amazing. Well, welcome, Danielle. And so we're going to talk today about a very, very difficult subject, um, and that's going to be suicide and how it affected her and her family and her life. So tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me on, and thank you for giving me a space to to talk about this experience. Um, mine is very unique, I would say, and of course they all are, but um, I feel when you hear about, you know, loss by suicide, you think of, oh, they must have really, really cared and loved for that person, and they're very close, or something of that sort and I think that mine is is very different in the sense of I was not very close with my um, mom's husband we had a very complicated relationship and it's one that I have always wanted to speak about because I, I think that people who are going through a similar loss and who are having that experience of well, we weren't close, but I'm still hurting I'm in pain but it doesn't seem like there's space for me. Mm-hmm with those hard and complicated feelings. And, um, you know, it's we just passed the two-year anniversary on uh, June 17th, and I finally felt ready to to talk about my experience because I've gone through the, the hard work of healing and, and doing my own therapy and doing um, the work that I felt was needed to, to get on a path of making some kind of meaning out of it. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to hopefully reach and touch someone who is experiencing something similar. And I know this is, this is a crucial time, right? You've hit this two-year mark, and on top of that, we're about to enter in September, which is Suicide Awareness Month. And so it's a great time to be able to talk about this and raise awareness and really focus on the people who are out there struggling with this issue. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's given me such a, obviously, firsthand um, perspective of what goes on after um, 
losing someone to suicide, I mean, it's just nothing could prepare you. Mm -mm. No, and there's a stigma that goes along with it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you die in a car accident or some other accident, you know, people get to mourn that outwardly and you get all this support but when it's suicide it's so uncomfortable mm-hmm. there's a stigma yes. that goes as, uh, around that and then people wonder what happened in that family mm-hmm. what was going on with that person were they suffering with mental illness we you know all of these different things and so there's so much that goes on with the death and suicide that it's it's grieve differently than other things. Absolutely. And it's, it's, that's one of the first things that I experienced, you know, because I felt like I really jumped in and and took the reins because my mom was so unable to, to do and, and to, you know, take care of herself during that time. Um, they were, um, separated. They were still legally married, but they were separated, uh, when, uh, he passed, um, but he had taken his life in the apartment that they lived in. Thankfully, my mom was not there. Um, but the day after, we had no clue what to do. Like, no. There's no protocol. Like, what do you do? I have no clue. And so I jumped in and I was like, I don't know. Do we call the apartment complex? I don't know. And so I, I did. I, I called and that was kind of the first experience that I had when you called did you know he had passed did you know yes um we the day that he had passed um he had um died around 5 p.m and um since he was alone in the apartment and my mom wasn't there and he was he struggled with a lot and was in a lot of trouble and so the when the police got there, um, I, I don't know exactly how, but they found that he was married to my mom, and mm-hmm. then um, my family's house is not even 10 minutes from that complex. So they got that address, and the police showed up about, I'd say, 9, 10 that evening and uh, let my mom know, and I got the call within within five minutes. My grandmother actually called me because she was the one there with my mom, um, and I... I was living in the colony with my boyfriend at the time, and um, we just threw stuff in a bag and drove to Saxe, which mm-hmm. is where my family lives. And we get there, and it's just, I mean, what do you say? What do you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, my initial reaction was not feeling. I was very numb. I was very, my mom needs me, so I'm going to mm-hmm. be what my mom needs. You were hyper-focused yeah. on that. For sure. I'm yeah. like, immediately jump in. My mom needs me. I'm not worried about my feelings. I'm not worried about really anything else. Um, and, you know, that next day, waking up, it just felt like a blur yeah like did this actually happen and um when I called the apartment complex I I just called to see what we needed to do I didn't know if we needed to contact the officers that came to the house I just had no clue Uh, and when I called the apartment complex um yeah that was the first um experience I had of someone just being like oh yeah, it was really traumatic for all of us here. Oh, goodness. And while I agree, I'm sure it was, um, it just felt very dismissive to my family and I. Um, and I apologized because I was, I'm sorry that um, other people had to be pulled into the situation. Um, but the the complex they were so rude um I I just remember being 
like my jaw was on the ground the whole time I was on the phone because they were just like, yeah, like it was really traumatizing. Like, oh, that was your family? Like, oh, you knew that person? And you hear... There wasn't a lot of empathy. No. Again, it's that it's it's that reaction to suicide. Yeah. People yes. get so thrown off yes. when they hear that and they yes. don't understand what the family's going through. Right. Or, yeah, that's just a, a hard thing to hear. And I think people are just are uncomfortable with the subject. 100%. And that uncomfortability, I felt, continued as not only for my mom's healing, um, but for my own you know, I process things through talking. I like to talk. Mm-hmm. I I like to get my feelings out. I don't like to keep things in. I feel that once it starts building up inside of me, if I don't get it out, it, it really does harm. Yeah, to it can me. be destructive. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, I was already in my own therapy when it happened. Um, so I was able to reach out to my therapist. But, you know, talking to my friends and even people that I've known for, oh, my gosh, my whole life, it's that look they give you mm-hmm. because they don't know what to say. And while I, I was so aware that it was so uncomfortable for other people, I felt that even though I knew I needed to talk about it with those around me, that I just stopped because it's just the faces mm-hmm. and that not judgment intentionally, but just the the look of poor pitiful you I don't know what to do for you so I'm not going to do anything well we just look at it as suicide's not a natural way of dying and so you know when you don't die naturally there's all these assumptions there's all these um just awkwardness like Carla had said and so when you don't when when people see that someone dies because of their own choice they don't stop to think about all the things that played into that mm-hmm. i'm not justifying it yeah. what i'm saying is is they don't think about all the things that that play into and i do want to get into that i want to yeah. know were there any warning signs did he leave a letter did he did y'all know that there were a mental health decline before that right yeah so um definitely we we were very aware of um his struggles he definitely relied on alcohol a lot and I think that towards the end, it was getting worse. Was it more self-medicating? Was he trying to cover something up? Or was there um, another addiction situation? I think both, honestly. Yeah. I think both. Um, and this is me trying to be, you know, Danielle seeing it as just Danielle, while also Danielle seeing it as a clinician. It's yeah. very hard to separate mm-hmm. Um Sometimes, and especially when it's so close to you. Absolutely. Um, but I definitely felt that there was a, an addiction issue while also just self-medicating. And um, I know that when my mom had voiced, I don't think this is working, and I have, and she tried to fix and tried to give options of how that they could make things work. And once he kind of refused to move forward with those things, um, when she decided to put her foot down and just said, Hey, you know, I've got to step away and we just need some time. I think that he, uh, severely declined in that, in that moment. And what we know about that is that wasn't the cause of his suicide. The suicide 
was the result of or a symptom of something else, right? Mm-hmm. That was a last straw. It wasn't your mom who mm-hmm. caused that. And I really want people to understand that you don't cause something by walking away from an unhealthy situation. Whatever the results are, that's not your fault. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It was just something that triggered him. It was the exactly. triggering moment yeah. That, yeah. that, yeah, it was always there for sure. Right. Yeah. And um, like I said, yeah, that there were little red flags. I know people use that very loosely, but I mean, it, there were moments where I just remember being like, huh, I don't like that. Or I see something and I would talk to my mom about it and, you know, maybe she wouldn't see the same thing I did because you love someone, you can't Mm -hmm. see all of those Mm -hmm. things all the time. But I was so removed um, from that relationship and their relationship that I could just see things where I felt um, that just makes me question things. And, you know, what, what do you do with that when it's not someone that you can talk to like that, you know? Yeah. Well, and it makes me think, too, sometimes when your your mom's living with it, someone that's addic- addicted to alcohol or whatever it is, that's her normal. And Absolutely. so the, the flag signs that came off to you were probably not flags to her because she dealt with it every day, right? Correct. Yeah. So that's what kind of made you go, okay, this is, something's off here. Right. And and it's a a weird position to be in when, you know, for my mom, well, I love this person. Mm-hmm. I I want to make things work. Well, absolutely, you do. And I and it was hard to uh, explain or to to voice. Well, I'm seeing X, Y, and Z, even though I know that you're feeling X, Y, and mm-hmm. Z. And um, was she receptive to the seeing the things that you were describing? I think yes, but it was hard to act on those mm-hmm. on those. Um, there was a sense of denial or she wasn't ready to really, you know, come to grips with it. Yeah, because, I mean, what what does it mean when you accept it? You know, like, where do we go from here? That unknown and that uncertainty, I think, is, is scary for anyone who's in a, a committed relationship and you're seeing these things that um, are scary in the person that you care for and love. Um, and I think that, yeah, once she, once she stepped away and she put her foot down because she she simply deserved better um truly and and that's one of the hardest things I think dealing with um his death is while I couldn't understand him as a person I hurt deeply that he felt that he needed to do Mm -hmm. that that he felt that was his only out yeah yes yeah it's it was and that's what made it so complicated I Mm -hmm. feel like you you know as a, as, a, as a clinician, as a therapist, I feel that I have so much empathy and patience and understanding for every client that I see. So much. I'm so willing to give a second chance. I'm so willing to do and bend over backwards. And I felt that I was very adamant of not doing that for him. And I really hurt when everything happened because it just felt like well, could I have made a difference? Could I have done something? Um, what could I have done differently to maybe have prevented this, which caused its whole other slew of things? Because again, when we talk about, you can't f- like make anyone do that. You know, it's it's a it's a whole um, slew of, of of context around the situation that that leads to kind of that last resort, um, and that was that was hard to come to grips with that even though um, 
I knew that I couldn't really change anything. It was that what if. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think many family members and friends have those thoughts when they lose a loved one by suicide. They want to to kind of figure out what was their role in there and how could they have saved them because everybody wants to save that person, yeah. right? But ultimately, that person is dealing, kind of battling their own demons inside, and that's where we want to talk about suicide. We want to ask those questions. We want to educate people on what those signs are because there are a lot of things that we can do. Ultimately, it's that individual's decision, mm-hmm. and that, that's where the blame lies, right? Yeah. Um, but just helping people to begin to have those really tough conversations mm-hmm. and asking questions. Um, I think people think that if I talk about suicide, it'll make them want to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. It's completely the opposite, and there's so much research that tells us that. Well, and I think we've seen, I know you and I have seen, just in the 10 years we've been working with students with suicide, you know, prevention and awareness that, you know, a lot of times you don't really talk about what we're talking about until you experience it yourself. And it's the part of just doing the preventative part of saying, hey, when you're talking to someone and asking them how they're feeling, how are you feeling like, I remember one of our one of our um, I've just gone guest one of our one of our guests. Thank you. You're going to have to edit that. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. He's really talented like that. (laughs) Or he may keep it in there. You know who knows? (laughs) He's keeping it in there. It's all to make me look bad. It's authentic. Oh, very authentic. Danielle gets. I don't even know what I was about to say anymore. what was I going to say? Oh, it was it's very, a heart thing. Like, it's yes. a heart thing. How's your heart? How's your heart? How's your heart? And I think that we're so programmed to, to ask the superficial questions mm-hmm. that after you experience, unfortunately, what you've experienced is you go back and think, man, I should have asked those. How's your heart? You know? Mm-hmm. But then it, it's like she said. It's like Carla said. It's not always going to get shared to you how yeah. their heart is because of... You have to be very vulnerable to say, I don't want to live anymore. Yeah. And you Dan- know? Daniel, you're dealing with this this loss and this, you know, trauma in your family's life, but you also had a complicated relationship with them prior to that. Mm. That had to really affect you in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's, and I think, again, that goes back to kind of that feeling of, yes, I know that there are people in the world who have experienced suicide, so I'm not alone in that aspect. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I felt very isolated in the fact that we didn't, we weren't close. Mm. I didn't have this loving, meaningful relationship to look back on. I felt almost like a fraud for feeling sad. Um, One of the most things that were said to me anytime someone found out was, well, you didn't like him, did you? And that felt so invalidating. Yeah, that is very invalidating. I mean, yeah, you didn't have a close relationship, yeah. but he was in your life. He's still for a, a person, long time. a living being. He's a living that deserved being. to live. He was married to your mother. Yeah. yeah, and that in itself makes it part of your yeah your yeah. intimate circle, right? Right, yeah. and and it's and it, yeah, it was invalidating. It just felt like, well, I know, but he, that's a person. His yeah he no longer is alive. Like, do you realize what you're saying to me? And, and it's, it's back to that thing of just that uncomfortability. People Mm, are so uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that again, why I wanted to talk about this two years after the fact is I just have had time to sit and to process and to 
thankfully get to a place of, of healing, but just wanting to make meaning mm. out of it. And, and I think that that has been the, um, that special feeling to me that yes, we weren't close, but he truly gave me this new outlook and this new perspective on um, what I feel like I need to bring into um, being a therapist and, and what I go through, you know, from here on out. And, you know, I think it's super cool that you're a new therapist entering yeah. and building your career. And I think the neat thing about what you're saying is you now have the opportunity to teach people how to respond responsibly, right? That can be such a neat part of your practice is just helping people really understand how to respond to people in a way that is validating. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I think it will save people a lot of grief. It will help them process their grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's such a neat opportunity for you because you actually know what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Educating people on the comments they make to you. You know, yeah, it's like, it's, it's so cool. I mean, and I get, I get, People make comments just like, and and who knows, maybe that person thought you'd feel better, you know, going, well, you didn't like him anyway, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like you said, man, after going through it, the grief of it and just the, and then you're not just worried about you, you're worried about your mama. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's mom doing? You know, she, first, let me just say, um, because I know she will be listening to this eventually, (laughs) she is my most favorite person on this planet and we've we have such a special special bond and um I was very scared that she wasn't going to come back from this um this was very very hard on her um but uh she has stayed committed in therapy she has stayed committed in taking care of herself um she really put in a lot of hard work to get back to some sort of normal and, you know, I mean, that normal may be different from mm-hmm. what normal looked like It will for be us. different. It's a new normal. It, a new yeah. normal. And it doesn't mean that we don't have a productive future or yeah. that our future doesn't look bright, but it is different. And there's Absolutely. no way to ever go back from a suicide. Yeah. And, um, but she, she's doing good. She, you know, she's going to have her days. Yeah. And um, those are hard because it, it brings back all of those emotions. It brings back everything and it, it hurts to see her cry. I mean, that's my mom. Mm-hmm. That's my person. And I'm, I'm an only child. Like it's always been us, oh. you know? And so uh, that's been difficult to see and to see her hurt, but to see the resilience that woman has is magical it truly I mean that if that's not motivation I don't know what is and she probably doesn't even realize the motivation she's giving other people through her resiliency yeah and that's so important she's showing you but she's showing other people around her and she probably doesn't even know it she's just not even she's just going through the fight yeah a new new normal right and and that and that's so her the most humble the sweetest I mean just very me and and I'm like mom no like this it was a hard thing and look at you yeah you kept going you're strong you're courageous yeah Yeah. we love it yeah absolutely yes yeah yeah and I think that losing someone by suicide brings out something in you that you didn't know you have Mm -hmm. because you never had to touch that part of yourself yeah but when you absolutely have to it shows you you can do incredibly hard things yes gosh I mean the and and that's what um that's what meaning I felt like I've been able to make out of it is just 
I'm I'm so sorry that this has happened, and and of course I wish that it never happened. I wish that we could go back in time mm-hmm. and and maybe make a difference, and that it, he wouldn't have felt the need to do this. But I feel that though this is something that he has given me specifically and making meaning out of this and just like I just have this new perspective and and I do want to teach people I do want Mm -hmm. to make this less stigmatized I I want to bring awareness to this because it has touched me so deeply um that I, I just want things to be different yeah absolutely and and we do too and that's why we do what we do every day we're trying to get people talking about mental health suicide Mm -hmm. and all the things that go with that because it's affecting so many of us across this country um, and around the world I mean it's such a big big issue and we just want people understanding talk about it these are good people they're just suffering inside and there's different reasons why they're suffering right but that we need a community we need a support system and that's how we get through these tough things I want to throw in a couple of just different statistics here because we are coming upon suicide awareness month and I really want to bring highlight and focus to that but what we know is from 2000 to 2021 the suicide rate increased 36 percent we know a lot of that really happened during the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. um, but we were already on the rise from then, right? So um, we also know that suicide is responsible for 48,183 deaths in 2021. That is such a lot of families that are out there suffering and struggling, very similar to what your family's going through. And if we even put that in bigger perspective, that's one death every 11 minutes. And I know that statistic is the same today. So it is a big problem. It is um, a super big problem. And even if people uh, don't actually commit suicide, there's 12.3 million Americans, adults, who seriously think about suicide every year. 3.5 million have actually planned their own suicide attempt, and 1.7 million have attempted suicide. So this is why we got to talk about it. We have got to get out there. We have got to support. Mm -hmm. We got to reduce the stigma. And I I think that the statistics are way off even because you and I have discussed this, that people that do commit suicide, if it's not, if there's not a note left or Mm -hmm. something like that, it's not actually, and if the family doesn't, yeah, Yeah. the family doesn't agree to say that this was a suicide, it just goes as a, you know, a foul play death, Mm -hmm. right? So those statistics I feel are probably way low, No, I agree with you too, because I think there's a lot that we're not counting. And again, because if it's not... If it's if if you don't really know one hundred percent, it's not counted that yeah. way. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But this is why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. And Danielle, I know that you had a complicated relationship with your stepfather. It doesn't mean that you don't care about the situation. You had mentioned that you wrote him a letter, and mm. it was part of your healing. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you'd be willing to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. I'd caught it kind of caught her off guard here, so I'm going to keep <laughs> talking while she's pulling Gosh, that Carla. up. But I I know that she had talked about it, and I really want to give her that opportunity because yes. I think it's going to help so many people out there just to hear her emotions and how she's been processing this. Mm. So. Um, we are going to continue to look at what suicide is like and, and, and how people are dealing with it. And, and I deal with a lot of families who have either had a teenager make an attempt. I've worked with families who actually have a teenager or a child who's actually um, completed suicide. And so uh, 
the emotions are very real and what you're describing I see and the the levels of grief they're just a different kind of process Mm -hmm. there's a lot of anger frustration doubt blame guilt and all that plays into it Um, and it's just something if you lose someone by an accident you don't have as much of that guilt but someone who loses one by suicide it never leaves them Mm -hmm. it never leaves them and the other thing is that suicide will stay with the family and friends. They'll mm-hmm. never forget it. It's um, what, what people report to me is it's, it's very fresh, and it just mm-hmm. continues to play out. But there is healing, and I've seen healing on the other side, and I have seen people do amazing things um, following um, a love, losing a loved one in this way. So, Daniel, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Sounds good. No, I'm, I, I'm really proud of this. Um, that I wrote, it, it was a part of my healing. I had intentionally wrote it to read to my therapist, and and after I shared it with her, I just felt this calling mm. to just want to share it in a, in a broader um, way. And so I I hope that maybe this reaches someone, even if it's just one person. Absolutely. Um. One so person is, is all, it. all it takes. That's, yeah. right. One right. at a time. One yes. at a time. Um, so at the beginning, I, I called it an open letter of loss. Um, at the beginning, I, I put a little snippet of lyrics that I felt really uh, showed and, and put into words what I couldn't of how I was feeling. Um, and those lyrics are, no words appear before me in the aftermath. Salt streams out my eyes and into my ears. Every single thing I touch becomes sick with sadness. And those really stuck out to me during yeah, my powerful. time of healing. Yeah, um, it's kind of long, so forgive me. But um, on June seventeenth, twenty twenty one, my mom's husband committed suicide. It's been a long two years, and I've wanted to open up about this for a while now. I don't know if it's from craving closure or for catharsis, but I finally feel ready to share my story. Getting the call was surreal. I could hear my mom crying in the background. She didn't want to talk to me. I knew she was in shock. I could feel my body go into protection mode. I needed to put away my feelings because my mom needed me. That first night, my priority was getting over to the house to be with my family. As the days went on, the feelings finally started to sink in. The adrenaline was gone, and all I was left with were my raw emotions and what felt like a invasive vulnerability. Jim and I didn't have a good relationship because of the tumultuous relationship he had with my mom. She's my world. Anything or anyone that hurts her is irredeemable to me. Echoes of, well, you didn't really like him, did you, were constantly being thrown at me as people began to find out what happened, as if the state of our relationship somehow made things okay. Honestly, our turbulent relationship made things harder for me. I felt so much guilt and shame for how our relationship was. I'm a therapist. I have so much empathy, patience, and understanding. It hurt me so deeply that I was unable to extend that same kind of empathy towards him. The way Jim died was really traumatizing. I had nightmares and panic attacks in the evenings when the days would come to an end. My mind was constantly filled with the replay of how he left this world. It ate me up inside. I was depressed all the time. I was constantly sleeping during the day to escape this new reality. I felt so numb and empty. 
It was the most isolating experience of my life. At first, everyone reached out. And then as the days went on and the grief set in and got heavier, people didn't know what to say, so they just didn't. It was so painful. I just kept thinking, well, maybe this is just too uncomfortable for everyone. But soon those feelings turned into anger. I was so upset that everyone else was just able to move on and go about their daily lives, and I was stuck in this hole. Of course, I don't wish this upon anyone. It just felt so cruel that I was in so much pain, and I felt so alone. I truly felt like I would never be able to recover from this. A little over a month and a half after Jim died, my family had to pick up his belongings from the police station. The gun he used, a notebook with scribbles from his last moments, and his cell phone. So many feelings came flooding back for me. To hold the notebook he wrote in during his final moments was sickening. My stomach was in knots reading his words and seeing his handwriting. He was in so much pain and in so much trouble. His writing was so frantic. My mind wasn't processing the words I was reading, and I could feel my knees getting weak. I continued reading to see him mention that he still loved me and my mom despite everything that happened. I felt like I was going to collapse. My heart ached. I wanted to walk away from being a therapist, and for the last two years, that's basically what I did. This whole situation hit way too close to home. It felt so violating. I put off taking my licensure exam because I just couldn't function in the headspace that was required of me to be an efficient clinician. I felt so much shame for working so hard to get my master's degree just to do nothing with it, or so it felt like. I struggled with allowing myself time to process Jim's death and making the decision to step away and take care of myself. I felt like I was falling behind my classmates, and I was so overwhelmed with sadness and grief, I couldn't breathe. I cursed the space and the time that I needed. I felt a darkness take over me. My mind and body held so much hurt and anger for such a very long time. I can't quite put my finger on when the fog started to lift, but I could feel it in the most beautiful ways. In the last two years, friendships have ended, but even stronger ones were formed. My perspective on life changed so drastically, and I was able to let go of so much pain that I had carried for so long. Over the last two years, I've been able to travel with my future family-in-law. I finally got to see Taylor Swift in concert with my best friend. I got engaged to my sweet Jordan, and we adopted a puppy from the shelter who makes my heart sing. I allowed myself to finally feel the darkness. It changed me. And maybe it's a part of me now, but it has shown me that there are still beautiful things. I don't think the grief will ever fully go away, but I'm okay with that. I want to use this experience as I continue into my field and career. I've made the steps to move forward with my license as a licensed professional counselor associate. And it's been a long time coming, but I have never felt more ready. Oh my gosh, I need <laughs> tissue. <laughs> Girl, that is, let me tell you something. What a gift you have to share with people that are hurting because uh, that was powerful. Number one, number two, I know you're not done in your journey and I'm snotting all over myself. I'm sorry, (laughs) but wow. I mean, beautiful words. And I know that those words are going to change lives. And um, the fact that you've opened up and you're willing to continue your career is going to save lives. Thank you. 
Thank Danielle, you. Danielle, just your words on this show is going to change yes. lives. Our viewers are going to hear this, and there are people who are struggling, whether they are having suicidal thoughts of their own or they're dealing with a family member who either they just lost or who is struggling with suicidal thoughts. This is something that you are opening up conversation. You are serving that message, and you're, and you're helping people today. So it's already started, and you're yeah. just getting, you're just getting <laughs> your foot in the door. So amazing, amazing work. It took a lot of courage for you to really talk about that process. Mm. Um, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is the day that your life has changed because mm. you are going to be an advocate for those mm. who are struggling with mental health and suicide. Yeah. Yeah. So we are so thankful that you are here today. We are, we, um, are touched by your humility yes. and your mother would be so proud of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, thank you for giving me a space, um, to, to talk about this. Um, it means the world, truly. It does. Thank you so much, Danielle. And we are going to have you back because we want to hear yes, about your journey and what you're doing next. So you're going to be invited back to the mental perk. Yes. Thank you so much. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Danielle. If you or anyone you know is struggling with mental health issues, please reach out to talk to someone you trust. Get connected to a mental health professional who can help you find ways to cope and ultimately feel better. If you are having suicidal or self-harm thoughts or thoughts of hurting another person, please go to the nearest ER, call 911, or contact the National Suicide Hotline at 988. Thank you for tuning in to Mental Perk. We hope our talk today highlighted real people working through real issues based on mental health. Our goal at Mental Perk is to make sure every one of you knows you're worthy. We're in this together.